0: Welcome to the Enjoy Your Marriage podcast, where relationship expert and master coach Candace Toon helps you stop wondering if you married the wrong guy and start putting all of your energy toward having the marriage you imagined when you said, I do. Sup bees? Ever wonder why it's so hard to change your mind, even when changing your mind would probably make your life a whole lot easier? Like if you could change your mind about how much you dread your early morning workout, or if you could decide that decluttering is actually fun. If you could stop yourself from thinking it's your job to fix your husband's bad mood. Or even if you could change your mind to let his expressions of love land instead of doubting his sincerity. It really does seem like all of those changes would make your life better. More fun, more free. And still, I wouldn't be surprised if your brain is like, nope, no way. We hate waking up early and we always will. Decluttering sucks, and it's a waste of time anyway because the stuff just keeps coming. Of course you have to fix your husband's feelings. Everyone's weekend will suffer if you don't. I know he said he loves you, but he's probably just wanting something or he's just trying to be nice. None of those stories are terribly helpful in getting you the life and the relationship you really want. None of them give you much wiggle room for change or deeper connection. So why in the world would your brain want to keep feeding you all of those lines? The simple reason is, brains love to be efficient. They like to do things the way they've always done them because practiced repetition is an energy saver. Your brain wants to conserve your energy. Just in case you are randomly attacked by a passing bear and you need to fight. Just in case the neighboring volcano explodes and you need to flee. Now, I purposefully used examples that seem highly unlikely and maybe even a little silly in modern day, and I want to emphasize that dangers like bears and volcanoes are exactly the type of dangers your brain is preparing you to defend against because in ancient times, humans really did have to fight off bears and flee from volcanoes, and our primitive brain function has not yet been updated to understand that those sorts of dangers aren't as prevalent now as they once were. Unlike our phones and our laptops, our brains aren't set up to automatically scan for updates, so they keep running on factory settings that haven't been customized to match our present-day reality. And the present-day reality is you probably aren't in actual danger as much as your brain thinks you are. Your actual life is probably very rarely, if ever, on the line. Still, unless you are making a concentrated effort to pay attention to what you are thinking and purposefully decide if those stories serve you, you are running your brain right out of the box. No personalization, no custom settings. Don't worry if that sounds true for you, it's true for most humans. Most people are walking around operating from brain on factory settings, which makes us take action on three default things. Seeking pleasure, because that feels rewarding. Avoiding pain, because pain could mean death. And saving energy, because again, you might need that energy to fight off a predator or flee the scene if it seems unlikely that you'll win the fight. It takes a lot of energy to notice and question your practice thinking. It's often painful to consider that the stories you've been living your life by might not actually be true so the brain resists doing either of those things. It'd much rather keep thinking the things it's always thought, even if those practiced thoughts don't end up in the life that you really wanna be living. Your brain is less concerned with you achieving your goals and more concerned with you staying safe and alive. Much like your grandmother's good china, which only gets pulled out on special occasions, your brain would love it if you kept yourself safely stowed in a curio cabinet most of the time, because that would mean you were alive even if it means you aren't really living. Now, don't get me wrong, sometimes automatic thinking is a really helpful thing, like when you don't have to think about how to drive home, how to brush your teeth, or how to whip up a familiar recipe. Automatic thinking isn't always a problem. And sometimes it is, like when you're certain that your husband is selfish and unreliable and all you can see is examples of how that's true. Or if you're convinced that there's no way you could ever communicate effectively about money, and then you stop trying. When all you can see is something you don't want and all that you're doing is something you'd rather not keep, that's when you're inadvertently automating a continuous gut punch, which probably isn't what you were going for. When you identify a story that's hurting you or your marriage, that's the time to have a little heart-to-heart with yourself. Tell yourself that what you're thinking might be true but it also might not be, and remind your brain that you are actually willing to spend the energy to dig up your automatic thinking and examine it on purpose, so that you can possibly run a more useful automatic program instead. Expect your brain to protest. Plan to tell it that you understand its concerns and that you're gonna dig around anyway. Then plan for digging up old automation to be challenging because it takes energy, it's kinda painful, and it's not really so fun. Your brain has experienced you staying alive while running old automation, and your brain isn't yet convinced that the new program will also keep you alive. So it puts up a fight. It makes a case for the old automation, which will probably sound something like, why are we doing all the work while he's doing nothing? This isn't gonna make any difference anyway. We've tried that before. I just have so much evidence and I'm tired. Your brain tosses out all those arguments because it wants you to reserve energy, not get used up. That's its job. But which life do you want? The life of a pristine china platter, or the life of an everyday-use plate that gets to see all the flavors life has to offer? Do you want to be a rigid display doll in a glass case, or a plush squishy doll who gets dragged through the mud, tossed in the washer, and snuggled at night? Either choice is valid, and the choice is yours to make again and again. I usually want to be a plush squishy doll and a messy everyday use plate, even with the dings and the dirt that come with those experiences. And here's what that's looked like for me lately. I know that I have an automatic program running in my brain that sounds like this. I can't count on him. I've spent a lot of time believing that he'll forget or say no or won't be around for me to even ask if I need something. Believing all of that led me to just stop asking him at all which only made it seem more true that I can't count on my husband, because I wasn't getting any of the help I wanted. I wasn't asking, he wasn't offering, I was fuming and disappointed, he was oblivious. My brain believed I couldn't count on him, and his brain believed, I'm guessing, that things were going fine. I realized toward the end of last year that it might not be fair for me to silently resent him without testing the theory that I'd come to believe was true, because what if it wasn't? That'd be fun. So I challenged myself to consciously ask him for something at least once a week, all year this year, and then study his response. My brain came along with my plan because I framed it as an experiment, an exploration. I didn't shame myself for believing I couldn't count on him. I didn't pretend that it hadn't been true at times. I also wasn't willing to keep pretending that it was always true, at least not anymore. And you know what I've noticed a little over five weeks into this process? he usually does what I ask him to do. It looks like I maybe could count on him after all, but not only that, I've started to notice how he does other things to help me. Things I didn't ask for and hadn't really been noticing because I was so focused on the idea that I couldn't count on him at all. Did he still miss some things that I asked him to do? Yeah, he does. And it's also true that he follows through most of the time, especially if I decide to be on his team and remind him especially if I decide to appreciate his efforts out loud once everything's worked out. Now, I know you might be thinking that it's exhausting to remind him and to praise him. He's not a child, for goodness sake. At least, that's what I used to think. But you know what? It's actually not exhausting, because I decided it could be fun to figure out how to be an excellent teammate. I decided that everyone is a little kid on the inside, and everyone could stand to receive a little more praise a bit more gratitude. That belief makes it fun to give those things. And I prefer the experience that comes with believing I can count on my husband. Everyone wins. I want it to be true that I can count on him, so I help it be true whenever I can. And I consciously look for examples of how it's true already. If you'd like a research partner as you crack open your long-held beliefs, mark your calendar for two upcoming events. First. Lucky in Love, a virtual coach-a-thon coming to you March 13th through the 17th. And second, the Defying Gravity Revolution Gathering, an live in-person experience that's coming to you in Utah April 28th and 29th. I'm looking forward to meeting you either way. Choose Courage be and keep on flying. What's up bees? Want even more ways to stop wondering if you married the wrong guy? Head on over to candistune.com, Candice with an I, Tune with an E, and click the gold button inviting you to get the free course. You'll get four short lessons delivered straight to your inbox that'll help you create a more connected marriage before the next episode drops a week from today. Happy studying.